God, that you would use your surpassing power, God, this power that is more than able to do abundantly more all that we could ask or even think, God, that you would use your power to fill us, that you would use your power, that you would strengthen us in the inner being and our very hearts, God, that you would strengthen us with power from your Spirit, God, that we would be able to allow Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith, and God, that we would be strengthened to the point that we could be rooted and grounded in your love. And God, that through that we would be able to comprehend together just the, the unknowable love of Christ you have shown us. God, I pray that you'd help us now. Help me to, to share your word uh, in a way that pleases you, in a way that honors you, in a way that, that strengthens your body. Help us now, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, and so the, the verse I want to start with this morning is verse 19. And we're going to work our way back through this prayer that Paul prays for these people. This is his desire. His desire is these things that he's praying for them. Remember, he's been telling them who they are. He's been telling them what God has done. Next week we'll get into the practical, this is what you do, all the way up through chapter 3. It's not really about what we do. It's about what God has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Well, here he stops and he just begins to pray for them. And he says, this is my desire for you. At the very end of verse 19, he tells us that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What he is saying here is, is I want you to be filled to the tippity top where there's no more room left with all the fullness of God, all the goodness, the completeness, the perfection of God. I want your entire being spiritually to be filled with God. And I really believe, guys, that when we have issues, when we have struggles spiritually, it comes from a lack of fullness in our soul of the goodness and the, just the amazing completeness of who God is. That when we're struggling, usually you can trace that back to just a lack of fullness of who God is, a lack of connection with God. When, when we fall into sin, when we make a mess of things, it usually comes from not being filled with God. I mean, think about it for a second. You have, you have Adam and Eve in the garden. God says to Adam and Eve, here's all the trees in this paradise. You can eat anything you want. You can have, they have perfect fellowship with the Father. They, they're, they're, God comes and He's walking with them through the garden and they can eat anything they want in the world except for that one tree in the middle. So you can have anything you want and it's wonderful. It's paradise except for that one tree. And Satan says, You're, God's holding out on you. Don't you know? How, how dare he hold out on you? There's one thing he's decided not to give you. And so these first people on the planet that God had made, who God had relationship with and put in a perfect garden, they had God and they had everything, but they wanted more. When they were not full with God, they decided to put a little more in. So what happens? They take of the fruit, they eat, and death enters the world. Sin enters the world through their disobedience because they were not full. You, you, think, about, you think about King David, a, a, a man I love to study, a man I love to read about in the Bible, a man who God says is after his own heart, a man who fights battle after battle, becomes a great king, the greatest king in Israel's history outside of Jesus. And he's a great king. He does amazing things for the Lord. He, he, he writes so many psalms. We see, we see all the things that God uses him to do. But then as he has more and more success and as he has more and more victory, he gets a little lazy. And so instead of serving the Lord like he ought to be, he hangs out at the house. He takes him a nap. 
And he goes and he walks around the edge of his palace and he says, hey, there's a lady I would like to have. His servants say, don't you know that you ride the Hittite's wife? One of your mighty men, one of your soldiers out doing your bidding in your war right now. He says, yeah, but I want her anyway. And so he takes another man's wife and then in order to try and prevent being caught, he kills that man. Uriah, this man who was laying down his life for him, he kills him to take his wife to hide his sin. Why did he do that? God says, I have given you all these things. I've given you success. I've taken you out of the field as a shepherd and made you a king. You have all these wives. You have everything you could possibly want. And if it were not enough, I would have given you more. And that's when David, we read in Psalm 51, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Mend the bones you have broken. What he's saying is, God, I, I wasn't full. I wasn't full of you. I forgot who you were. I forgot how amazing you are. And, and that's the same exact thing that happens to us. When we stop being full of who God is, and we stop being full of his goodness, we stop having our eyes focused on him, Everything else starts to creep in, all this other stuff. And so we start running after these things to please us. We start running after these things to satisfy us. Because we're not full, right? We're going to stuff anything. Just like when you're sitting at the house and you're hungry and you didn't eat dinner and you're looking for something quick. I know this will happen to me a lot. I'll run in and I'll think, man, I don't, I don't want to cook anything, you know. Like, like if Crystal and kids aren't home and I'll be, I'll be hungry, I'll be like, mm, granola bar sounds good. About 10 minutes, granola bar sounds good. About 10 more minutes, granola bars. I'm like, where'd all the granola bars go? So he's like, who ate all my granola bars? I'm like, I don't know. I read on Facebook, that's called a snack-sident. Y'all ever heard that? I didn't know Facebook was good for anything. It's a snack-sident. So anyway, but anyway, I, it, I take back everything bad I ever said about Facebook. It taught me something this week. But, but that's what happens when we're not full, when we're not satisfied. We continue to make bad choices physically, but the same thing happens to us spiritually. We're running after all these little junk food things spiritually trying to feel it man this, if i get this it's going to make me satisfied if i get this it's going to make me happy if i get this i'm finally going to have peace if i get this i'm finally going to have arrived and it doesn't work but when we're satisfied in the lord then we have, don't have the need for greed and anger and lust and all those other things because we got god so that's what we want this morning we want a fullness of god we want god to fill us so that we don't walk down all those other paths. So that we can follow Him. So that we can serve Him. So that we don't get ourselves all messed up. Because I want us to look as we look at these, these steps that Paul prays through. I want us to look at them and see where, where he's leading us. But I want us to look at them and understand where, he's, where he wants us to get. Which is getting to the place spiritually where all we need is Him. Where we are satisfied in Him. And when we're satisfied in Him... There's no stopping us. There's nothing else that we need. And so, so he says, this is how you get full of God, of all his goodness, of all his fullness. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And so first, if you picture it as steps, stair steps up towards fullness of God, the first step here is that we are praying that God would strengthen us with power through his spirit, that he would give us, so this means that we don't have what we need all on our own, that God actually has to give us something. He has to give us strength and power. And the way he does this is through his Holy Spirit in our inner being. In our inner being, that's the same idea. We're going to see heart here in a minute, same, same concept. It's the idea of your, your inner being, right? Your insides. Your, not your physical insides, but your spiritual insides. 
This is your decision-making center. This is your CPU. This is where you process everything. This is your motives and your decisions. Everything that you are comes out of your inner being. You, you get mad and you say this or you say that. Guess where that came from? In here. It didn't come from out there. It came from in here. Whatever we do comes from what is in us to begin with. That's where those things come from. That's why Jesus said, you know, all these things you're doing, they come out of who you are. And so Paul says we need to be strengthened on our inside. Now, typically, when we think about the way that we do things, where do we think about being strengthened? On the outside, right? We think about exercise. We think about trying to make ourselves physically stronger. And spiritually speaking, we typically think about trying to make ourselves look spiritually stronger. Well, I look like a good Christian. Everybody else thinks I'm a good Christian. Therefore, I must be a good Christian. I look like I have it all together. I must therefore have it all together. And Paul says, no, it's on your inner being. It's in your heart. That's where you need to be strengthened. That's where the Spirit needs to do His work. That's where you get your guiding from. That's where you get your motives from. And so in your nerve center, in your command central, if you will, that's where we are to be strengthened. We pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us on the inside for a specific purpose. We see this in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. We'll deal with the rooted and grounded love here in a second. But so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The purpose of us being strengthened on the inside is so that Jesus can dwell on the inside, so that He can dwell in our hearts. Is, this, is Paul praying here for them to get saved, like for Jesus to come in and live in them? No, that he's, he's talking to Christians, right? And so this word dwell is more than just simply uh, coming in or more than just stopping by or more than being a guest in someone else's home. It's the idea of taking ownership, of taking over. It's sort of like the difference between renting and owning. Like when you rent something, you probably need to talk to your landlord before you start knocking down walls and tearing carpet up and all that kind of stuff. When it's your house, you can tear it all up all you want, right? Because it's yours. You can make it your own. You can do whatever you want to to it or tell your husband to and then tell him again and tell him again and tell him again and maybe one day he might do it, right? I mean, there's that. I I don't know where that comes from, but I'm just saying that's a possibility that could happen. But we are called to dwell or we're called to allow Christ to dwell, to take ownership of our hearts, to allow Him to feel at home like it's His house. There's a big difference between being in somebody else's home and being in your home, isn't there? In your home, you feel comfortable. You can go to the fridge. You can repaint, do whatever you want to do. Make it your own. Put your own spin on it. So Jesus, Paul is praying here that we would have the strength on the inside through faith to allow Jesus to call the shots, for Him to be in control of our central command, the way that we think about things, the way that we decide things, so that He has space. The other idea here is I mean, it's kind of hard when, you know, everything's kind of cramped together. It's not super comfortable. It's not super welcoming. We, we want Jesus to feel welcome as though he has space to move things around and change things in our life and make decisions in our life. And that's where it gets a little sticky, isn't it? We like the idea of Jesus taking us to heaven, coming in my heart so I can go to heaven. We're not so keen on the idea of trusting him with our here and now. Wait a minute. So having faith in Jesus actually means believing that what he says to do now is right, not just believing that he'll take me to heaven. Yeah, that's what it means. It means that we actually believe that he uh, has the best 
plan of action for our life. And so he says, as Jesus dwells in our heart, as he gets comfortable in our heart, and he moves things around the way that he wants them to go, (coughs) he says that you being rooted and grounded in love. That you being rooted and grounded in love. And so he uses two different pictures here. We have the idea of a plant being rooted. We have the idea of a building being grounded or, or firm, a firm foundation, so to speak. And so this first idea of rooted, this idea of fruitfulness, this idea of health, like a, a plant that's truly rooted in the ground. It's got all the nutrients, it's got all the water, it's got all the, the stability that it needs. And it can actually produce some, some fruit. It can actually grow and do some things. Paul's saying, I want you to be rooted in love so that you can grow and so that you can produce fruit. You notice that it's in love, that the idea of Christ's love for you, when you are rooted in his love, then you have all the nutrients you need. You're not trying to earn it anymore. You're not trying to to build up favor with him. Like he's already given you all that you need. You're rooted in his love. When you're rooted in his love, you're not looking other places, trying to figure out how these other places are going to satisfy you, how these other places are going to make you happy or make you uh, stronger. You're looking to Him to make you stronger. And you realize, oh wait, He loves me and He's given me everything I need. There's nothing else I need. And so He says, as you're rooted in Him, rooted in His love, also be grounded in His love. This firm foundation, this stability. Because when we're not rooted in His love, that's when we get unstable. When we begin to believe that His love is based on us and not on Him, that's when we start trying to earn it all the time. We become more and more miserable because we're never good enough. We're never measuring up. We're never quite where we ought to be, we feel like. And so we're constantly struggling, trying to please Him. Paul says, be grounded in His love. Be grounded in the fact. Remember, we've looked at this over and over again as we've come to this place in this passage. Over and over again, we see that we're accepted because of what Christ has done and what He has accomplished, not because of what we have done or what we can accomplish. It's all based on who He is. And so if we're grounded on that, we're not looking anywhere else for acceptance. We're not looking to please everybody else. We're looking to Him because He's already accepted us. We're not looking to anybody else to, to give us companionship or anything like that. We actually have Him, and that's all that we need. And everything else is just... Extra, it's the the blessing we get from walking with Him. And so when we're grounded in His love, that means that there's a lot of things we can sort of throw to the side that we don't have to deal with as much anymore. As I was thinking about this and thinking about the stability that comes from having His acceptance, I couldn't help but think about about us guides and the way that um, sometimes in order to prove that we deserve to be accepted, we sort of throw our weight around a little bit talk a little bit bigger than we are. Maybe, maybe that's just something that I grew up doing. I don't know. But, but we have a tendency to want to prove to everyone that they should accept us, that, that they should approve of us, that, they need, that we sort of need them to show, hey, wait, I'm a somebody. And so we walk into a room and we want to prove that to everybody by the things that come out of our mouth, by our actions. But man, when, when we're rooted in his love, we're already accepted. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It really doesn't matter what all these people around us think of us because we have His acceptance. We have His love for us. We have confidence. We have stability. We're not running around looking for all these other things to fulfill us. We have Him. And so when we're strong in Him, not just on the outside but on the inside, we become stable spiritually. We don't just look stable. We actually are stable. We're not thrown around every time something doesn't go our way. 
And so we don't have to prove anything because we're rooted and grounded in His love. Then you look at verse 18. Because of this rooted and this groundedness that we could have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses, surpasses knowledge. And so we have this word comprehend that you would have the strength to comprehend, to grasp. When it comes to God's love for you, Christ's love for you, so that you could actually begin to have that aha moment of, oh, that's what they mean when they say Jesus loves me. Oh, that's what they mean when, when they talk about his love for me. Now, uh, so an aha moment for me, just to give you an example, um, is I remember, I think I was in 10th grade or so, and I don't, I don't remember, maybe 9th grade. My, that was a long time ago nowadays. But, but we were studying parabolas. I remember I, I, didn't, I was not an algebra person. I was not a math person. I was like, why do parabolas matter? And I, I was in Mr. Fulton's class. He was our teacher. And uh, Mr. Fulton, he, he was just a, a great teacher. He was somebody who intimidated everybody in the class without ever physically intimidating anyone. You'll ever have a teacher like that that can make everybody sit down and shut up without saying a word? Like, that was him. Like, he, I remember one day he came in and he was mad about something and he never even said a word to anybody in the class. He just went back and sat down at his desk and like 15 minutes later, I mean, we're all teenagers, right? I don't... And so none of us moved. Like, we didn't even take our books out of our bag or anything. We just sat there silently wondering what was about to happen. And I remember Josh, Josh Scrimshire, he turned around and he, and he looked at Mr. Fulton and he said, bad day, sir? And Mr. Fulton just kind of went, <clears throat> like that. He turned around. We did not say a word till the bell rang. And we all got up and walked out very quietly in a single file line. A bunch of high schoolers. I, was, it was, I know that's sort of beside the point, but Mr. Fulton had a way of helping me understand things. Let me put it that way. And so I remember I was like, why does parabolas matter? And he was like, well, you know, when you see people shooting guns up in the air, how do you know where that bullet's going to land? And so like he's marking out the, the, the way that guns shoot and the way that the bullets go. And I'm like, oh, well, that's actually kind of cool and interesting. That's helpful. And so I had that aha moment of, oh, wow, this actually matters. Now, I'm not going to say that the next day that that was still the case. In fact, as I was trying to add parabola into my notes, I was like, how do you even spell parabola? And so, but that's, we don't need to talk about that this morning, but, but, but that's what Paul was saying. I want you to be able to comprehend with all the saints that, that the dimensions of the love of Christ, the love that he has for you. He says, I want you to understand how wide it is. I want you to understand how long it is, how high it is, and how deep it is. I want you to understand Christ's love for you. And so as we look at this, unlike parabolas, God's love, Christ's love can't really be marked. It really can't be measured in human speaking. He, he says, I want you to understand the width of Christ's love. Well, his, his love is so wide that it's able to include anyone and everyone who comes to Him. It, it can go, no one is so far from God that Christ's love cannot reach them. And it's, it's wide enough that it can reach anyone and everyone. How long? What's the length of His love? Well, His, his love never runs out. There's never going to be a moment where He says, nope, you're out. I have no more love for you. Your love is over. I have nothing else for you. There's never going to be a moment in eternity for those who've trusted on Christ that, that it's going to end. It's going to go on forever. There's no end to His love. There's no stopping His love. He says, I want you to understand the depth of His love. Guys, there's no one so far down this morning that Jesus in His love can't bend down and pick back up. 
There's no one beneath His love. His love goes down to the, the depths of the darkest hell, is what we'll see here in just a second. And one song writer put it, there's no one below His love. It doesn't matter how far down you are this morning. Christ can reach down and pick you up. And not only that, how high is His love? Well, His love's high enough that He can take us and pick us up and put us all the way up in heaven, us. He can take us and put us at the, uh, around the throne of God so that we can worship Him forever. There is no limit to His love. There is nothing we can do that, to exhaust His love. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He says, I want you to know the unknowable love of Christ. There's no limit to His love. There's one... Uh, person, I, I think it started off as a poem, but somebody turned it into a song called The Love of God. He put it this way. He said, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. He, he said, Could we with ink the oceans fill and where the skies of parchment made, where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And his point is, is the same point that Paul is making. You're not going to find the edges of his love. They don't exist. This love is infinite. You're not going to say, oh, right here's where his love stops. Oh, right here's where his love stops. Oh, right here's where his love stops. Oh, over there's where his love stops. There's no ending to it. And so he says, I want you to understand. I want you to comprehend. I want you to have a glimpse of the love that Christ has for you. Then there's a phrase here. He says, with all the saints, that you would have the strength to comprehend uh, with all the saints. And so it's not just on your own. Guys, this is a, a community event. This is a group project. We can't understand His love on our own. We cannot comprehend His love. We cannot glimpse His love. We cannot have an aha moment all by ourselves. Now, there's truth in that we do. We do have those personal times with the Lord where He teaches us and He, he speaks into us. But the way that His love works is that the way that we learn about it most is in community. It's with other believers as we walk with Christ together and we show each other grace. We show each other patience and we watch Him show other people patience and we watch Him show other people grace. And then when we go through those times where we don't think we're going to make it and He he brings his people around us to support us and lift us back up again. It's that reminder of his love constantly that we cannot fully understand. We, we need people in our life to speak his love and speak his truth to us. Like we, we can talk all day long about Jesus loves me, but there's just something about having somebody remind you that Jesus loves you. I mean, that's tough. It's tough to remember that without somebody constantly saying, listen, he died for you. He's for you. He wants you to grow in Him. <clears throat> There's just something about having other people remind you. Keep Jesus in your center. Let Him make the decisions. Put Him in, in command of your life. We must have community so that Jesus can, can run the show and so that Jesus can remind us through His people. And, and so I just wonder this morning as we as we look at this passage of Scripture and we talk about what it means to be filled with all the fullness of God, to find satisfaction in Him, find peace in Him, I'm sure as you look at this, you think, man, this is pretty impossible. Yeah, it is. But it's only through His grace and it's only through His strength. As we'll see here in a minute. But I, but I wonder if maybe some of the, the problem is on our end. Listen, listen to what verse 20 says. Paul's already, we've already read the part in verse 14 where he says, I, I bow my, my knees before the Father. 
So that means he's for us, right? Daddy's for us. And then look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. So his power is already at work in us. He's able to do abundantly more than all that we could ask or think. And so if he's for us and he has all this power, then why are we not filled? Where's the problem lie? It lies on our end, doesn't it? It lies with our lack of complete submission to him. It lies with our side where we are refusing to allow Jesus to dwell. I wonder this morning as Jesus comes into your heart and, and as Jesus uh, tries to talk to you and he says, you know, I, I think you really need to get rid of this piece that's in your heart. I really think you need to get rid of this over here. You know, you've kept it around a long time. It's time for it to go. I know it's sort of like, you know, the, the sin that you've always sort of hid from everybody else, but it's time for that to go. And you're like, no, not taking that out. Nope, not moving that. And like every time he's like, I, I need to move that. Nope, my mama gave me that. Nope, that, that's something somebody else gave me, right? I mean, and so we have an excuse for everything he wants to move and everything he wants to change. And we constantly are, he's like, hey, let's move this. Hey, let's do this. And we're like, nope, 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 nope. It's not like Jesus is very welcome if you're constantly refusing to submit to him, if you're constantly refusing to make room for him in your life. No, absolutely not. And so we walk around being miserable all the time because he's, we're not full of Christ. We're not full of God because we're not allowing him to dwell. We're full of everything else in the world. We're a bunch of spiritually hangry Christians, right? I mean, we're walking around miserable knowing we're not doing what God has called us to do because we don't really want to do what Jesus has called us to do. And so we find ourselves empty instead of full of his fullness. Instead of trusting in him and leaning into him. We're putting all the stuff back in the closets. Guys, you know what, what you're hiding from him. You know what he's calling you to do that you were refusing to do. As long as you refuse, he's not going to dwell. Not in the sense of being welcome and being strengthening you so that you can understand his love. And so I ask you this morning, those of you who are here and you're believers, I ask you, where, where are those places that he's saying, stop, stop, get rid of it, stop, get rid of it? Would you submit to him? And say, Lord, come dwell. Come fill me. Strengthen me in the inner man so that I'm strong enough to do what you've called me to. I'm ready to give up on that. Would you ask him to show you those areas? And say, Lord, I need you to help me get off this hamster wheel of constantly trying to find happiness in this world. Trying to find things in addition to you. Ask him to fill you with all the goodness of God. And if you're not a believer, as if you've never trusted on him, I ask you to do that this morning as well. If you've never put your faith in him, all, the, the world's going to offer you all kinds of stuff, all kinds of junk food, and say, hey, here's going to make you happy, here's going to make you happy, this will make you happy. None of it will. The only satisfaction, the only joy to be found in this world is found when we are filled with all the fullness of God. And that only happens when Christ comes and dwells in us. We make him at home, and we allow him to speak into our lives. And as we do that, we find ourselves rooted and grounded in his love. And so if you would stand with us, and as you stand...